Wanna Vibe is a podcast and resource speaking simply about all things wellness. We want to break down each topic and start from the beginning, avoiding the assumption that everyone knows the building blocks to a particular subject. The way we see it, wellness is all-encompassing of each aspect that affects our everyday lives. In addition to our faves like fitness and nutrition, this could mean anything from relationships to careers, finances, spirituality, and so much more. We are Abby and Issa. Wanna Vibe? Hey everyone, welcome back to Wanna Vibe. I'm Abby. I'm Issa. And today we have the one and only, the Pilates blonde, Katie Dudley. Welcome. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Even though you can't see us, we're so excited that we can see you. Um, So do you want to do a quick little intro for everyone who may not know who you are or what you're about? Yeah, so my name is Katie Dudley. I am a studio owner in Skipback, Pennsylvania. It's like this tiny little, like, very hallmark adjacent (laughs) suburb of Philadelphia. Um, So I own a Pilates group fitness and nutrition coaching studio. Um, I have a podcast, a little blog, a little Instagram situation. I have my nursing degree and decided that nursing wasn't for me. So I abandoned ship and decided to do the very millennial thing and like follow my actual dreams. And here we are. Dang, bad bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. I feel like I know where Skip Pack is, but don't, uh, what is your, sorry, I'm going to go all over the place. I feel like I know where Skip Pack is. Side note, what is your podcast called? The podcast is called Sweat Thrive Glow. Um, and it's kind of, I, there's no really rhyme or reason to it. I literally just sit down on a microphone and like spill out my soul, like whatever I'm feeling I need to share or feeling very vulnerable. Um, I try and cultivate connection through vulnerability and whatever I'm going through. I just try and be really honest and vulnerable about it, whether it's like a goal that I'm going after or a heartbreak that I'm experiencing or like extreme joy or sadness. Like I'm not afraid to cry on the microphone if like that's the day that I'm having. Oh my God, um, me either. <laughs> things. I don't know how I would classify it, but it's just like my personality. I in- love that. <laughs> it takes a lot. I feel like, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. I can't hear myself. So we're just going to roll with it. Um, I, it takes a lot, I feel like to be that vulnerable in front of people. And you've done a really amazing job at that. I made a note to mention that like, if you look at your blog, you literally put your yearly goals in writing on the internet. And I don't think a lot of people would do that because if you don't accomplish those goals, you know, it, it could be, um, you could be putting yourself in a position of feeling like you failed, but I also think that it's so fucking brave and you fucking crushed your goals last year, which was to open a studio, right? It was only last year that you were like, I'm going to open a studio. And then like steps came after that. Yeah. So I decided in October that I was going to open up a studio and I opened in February. So it was pretty fast. Yo, I know you, Katie. That's awesome. Also, Katie is, I'm not going to give your age, but let's just say mid-20s, which is, I mean... Oh my God. We're hitting, we're about to hit, like, we're, like, on Saturday, we're about to hit late 20s. Oh, girl! Happy happy almost birthday! Seriously. Oh, it's making me, this is, like, a big one, because, like, 27 is, like, it's, it's late 20s, and, like, my parents love to remind me, like, you're closer to 30 than you are to 20, and I'm like, well, I get it. (laughs) Well, listen, you have done 
so much more at 27 than most people do in their lifetime. So literally than I did. Jeez. Are you kidding me? <laughs> let's take a, a, a quick rewind because I want you to take us through sort of your life story. Like I mean, you don't have to give us the entire biography, but I know that you had chronic illness that you dealt with as a young teen-ish person. I can't math. So um, so tell us about that and then sort of how that shaped your trajectory to where you are now. And then also leading into real quick, sorry to interrupt, really into like toward the end, like we also want to know about like your family and how like they got you, you know, like moving and like how their support. So give us a little bit of that. Yeah. So my story is, Interesting. Um, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis when I was 12. Uh, I was diagnosed on a Tuesday. We're driving, my mom and I are driving home from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. She's on the phone ordering low-dose chemotherapy, needles, um, sharps containers. And I knew that from Tuesday to Friday, my life was going to be completely different because I had to go back down to CHOP for my parents to learn how to inject me with this chemotherapy at home. Wow. Um, So that was like, earth shattering. So that happened when I was 12. The low-dose chemotherapy, which is called methotrexate, which I don't want to create the false narrative that it was like a real chemo. Like it, what, it is real chemo. You, I still threw up. I still was really, really nauseous three days out of the week. I had hair loss, but I didn't go bald. It was low dose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to create a narrative that I was like down for the count, like mm-hmm. a patient that's not the story. Um, but that didn't work. So we then added on another medication. It was on that, which is a biologic drug. So it's a little bit more expensive. It's a little bit more invasive. So that was two additional injections a week plus the like 96 or so pills that I was on. Whoa. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. I was 12. I was hanging out with like the popular kids at the time and I was like, so cool. Um, <laughs> I, um, couldn't go to school very often because the medication that I was on suppressed my immune system. So I had like strep throat literally mm. 12 times in a school year. I missed 96 days of school. Wow. I had to tell me that I was faking the entire thing because I had a manicure on my hands and my dad would like physically carry me oh my God. On once a week so that I could get my nails done because my fingers were like deformed at the time. And it was the only thing that made me feel normal. That's such a nice dad. The best dad in the entire world. I cannot stress that enough. Like I'm so fortunate. My parents are, I'll tell you guys, I think probably the most defining moment in my life. I was 12. I had my first dose of chemotherapy. I got so sick and I was lying in my bed on, so diagnosed Tuesday, Friday, first dose, Saturday, I was laying in my bed. So, so sick. My parents were so great. Like popsicles, whatever. Sunday, I'm laying in my bed. I'm no longer ill. I'm just having a pity party. And my mom comes in my room, like, like a SWAT team member, like (laughs) rips my covers off me. And she's like, get out of bed. I was like, mom, I'm having a bad day. Like I'm not okay. Yeah get out of bed. This is your life. This isn't a diagnosis. That's a temporary fight. This is the trajectory of your entire existence. So you're going to either figure out how to fight it or you're going to be a victim. So get out of bed. You can go sit on the couch, but you're not going to sit here and pout. Mm -hmm. So the next time we went to the children's hospital of Philadelphia, we sat in the atrium and it's this huge, 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 just like open area. And we sat there and we watched kids go by in feeding tubes and who just had major surgeries and who have like 19 different IVs hooked up to them. And she was like, this, 
Right. The perspective that she mm-hmm. gave my 12 year old ass was everything <laughs> that I needed. And so from that point on, I was like, okay, like we developed a strategy and like, I wouldn't eat six hours before chemo. I would stay up until one o'clock in the morning until I could barely keep my eyes open. Then we would do the injection. Then I would sleep through most of the illness. I would wake up to throw up once or twice. And then I would sleep the entire next day through like a lot of like the like stomach cramps and stuff. So we created a strategy and my mom was like, okay, so you're going to feel sick from 2 a.m. until 6 a.m. And then you're going to stop throwing up. And then it's just belly cramps from this time to this time. And then you're just going to be tired. So we're just going to put it in a time box. Um, And that was really, really helpful because it helped me put struggle into like compartmentalize almost right Mm -hmm. of my life. Um, So I was on that drug for a long time, probably seven years. And then the end roll that I was on the other two injections, I developed antibodies to those. So I was no longer having the effects. So we switched to a different medication. It was a lot more intense. It was in, a, in full infusion down at CHOP. So I would have to go all the way down there once a month. Um, it was super expensive. It was $13,000 in infusion. Um, it was insane. Yes, $13,000 per infusion. And at the end, when I was on the medication, I was getting it twice a month. It was it was bad. So luckily I'm very, very fortunate and very privileged in my parents' jobs and their careers. And I had double coverage for insurance. So like, and I hit my deductible in January. So like the rest of my stuff was free for the rest of the year. So that was very fortunate, um, for that situation. Um, and then that medication, uh, shut down the frontal lobe of my brain. And we didn't know it at the time, but I had been misdiagnosed all throughout CHOP. Um, was first diagnosed with atypical MS, even though I didn't have any lesions. Um, then that diagnosis went out the window. Then they were like, oh, it's just generalized anxiety. You're just like anxious. And then they diagnosed me with early onset Alzheimer's. And my parents were like, okay, you've given what? it. What? My kid is 19 years old. She's blind in her left eye. She can't remember her name. She didn't know how to turn on the car. She let her 14 year old brother drive down the street. He's never driven before. Like things are not going well for her. Right. So my parents called the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And the way that it works there is you have to be accepted as a patient. So they have Mm -hmm. to say, yes, for sure, you're sick enough to come here. So my mom and I are going to Minnesota. My dad stays home with my little brothers. And we packed enough stuff to stay for three weeks because we had no idea how long we were staying. I was there for three days. And in those three days, we learned that not only was I allergic to the medication that I was on, I also was misdiagnosed. So I added lupus on to that diagnosis. So it was a culmination of a whole bunch of things. Um, Too many medications, um, being allergic to a medication that I should never have been on in the first place, and not having... Um, the proper diagnosis behind everything. So that was when I was 19 and I came home from the Mayo Clinic and my mom was like, listen, you can't go to college. You're going to take a gap year. Um, I call it my stay at home daughter year. And <laughs> like, here's an American Express card and your only job is to get healthy. You have no other priority do whatever you need to do. So when I first came home, I was blind in my left eye. I had a lot of cognitive issues. So I listened to a lot of audiobooks and a lot of documentaries. And that was how I got my information. I would just lay in my bed with my eyes closed and just like absorb everything that I could 
And then as I started detoxing the medications, which I cut out cold turkey, which I would not recommend. Mm, Right. Um, that's not healthy or safe. And I definitely shouldn't have done that. But I came home and was like, I'm going to take over my own life and I'm going to take home. So for like two months, I did everything from bed and because it was very, very weak. And then I found a Pilates studio near me and I started doing Pilates and I didn't, I wasn't allowed to drive at the time because I couldn't see and I couldn't remember anything. So I would go to Pilates once in the morning, once in the evening and pretty much nap all day in between. And then before I knew it, Um, I was driving again. I was healthy. I was holding planks for four minutes, like things that like regular people can't do. And the fact that I was literally so ill and was able to get my shit together with Pilates and kale smoothies. I was like, this is something that I have to share. Like there's, I can't have this much success so quickly and not share that information with people. Yeah. Wow. I wish you could. I wish you could see us because when I you know. told us that you were uh, at the Mayo Clinic for three days and that you were misdiagnosed, both Abby and my jaws just hit the ground. We were like, "What?" Well, I want to talk to your parents first of yeah. all because I like I I can't wrap my head around what. I mean, obviously it was horrible for you, but like I have a four-year-old and like, I can't even fucking imagine having to watch your child go through that shit and like what you do. And the, the craziest thing is, is like when you're 12, 15, 17, even 19, you're not, your brain isn't developed enough to understand these decisions that are being made for you by doctors and we're trained to believe that doctors know fucking everything and they're the cure-all and the fix-all so the fact that you at 19 years old had the foresight to take matters into your own hands and take a holistic approach to your health is beyond my realm of comprehension and like you deserve a standing ovation because that's really truly like I feel like I would have I I was diagnosed with epilepsy at 17 and I threw myself a fucking pity party for like three years still sometimes I throw myself little like day-long pity parties I had one last week on Wednesday it was super fun you should have been there um but I think that shows immense strength and I gotta say too um there is such a correlation in seeing that you're so young opening a business and then how your mother treats you in yeah. such an empowering way where she was like, we're not fucking doing this shit. Yeah. We're not sitting here. We're not going to suffer, you know, like, and to show you in the atrium, like this could have been a way worse situation and it's not. And like, so what are you going to do now? And it's like, yeah. Oh, I wanted to lay in bed, but I guess I'll get up now. Ma. Like, but that's, we have a correlation too, because um, we had another nutritionist on and the same thing where, where you were like, on Tuesday I got diagnosed and on Friday and like the next day my mom was figuring it out and finding that balance of the scheduling. That's a, that's a boss of a mom. Mm -hmm, That's not mm -hmm. just like, I'm not a cool mom. She's like, I'm, I'm getting things together. We're not suffering. We're going to get through this. I love that shit. And that is a direct correlation to what you're doing now. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. My parents need to write a book. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are, I mean, honestly and truly, like I don't remember most what happened for about two years and it was all on them. So that was definitely more their cross to bear than it was mine because I even said something to my mom a few weeks ago and I was like, Hey, do you think it was this? And she's like, no, do you not remember this, 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 or this? And I was like, Nope. (laughs) Yeah. Self-preservation. Yeah. Like like there's so many things 
in that time period that are such a blur for me because I wasn't there. Yeah. Had to have been as a parent. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I think that you have to block certain things out just to survive. You know, um, that's why people have more than one child, I believe. Um, and then so, on top of that, you finished nursing school. So you yeah, went to so nursing school. Did you go into nursing school thinking like that, that you were going to be able to make a difference in the medical field? Yeah. So a few things. So my nurses were the ones who saved my life. Um, the monthly infusion that I was on the, my infusion nurse is the reason why everyone figured out that I was lying. So I was lying and saying to everyone that I was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was blind in my left eye and I'm a very hard stick. And so my nurse would use this light to help like reflect my vein. And I would always do my flush, which is not okay, but it's fine. Cause I was in nursing school. Uh, it's just saline. And I couldn't pick up the flush to do it. And she was like, mm-hmm. why can't you see? And she called me out. What does that mean? Pick up the flush. So it's um, like a syringe that you push saline in to make sure that the uh, IV line is pay- uh, is like open. Okay. That was a really good question. Sometimes I forget that not everyone has like a nursing background. Um, right. So it just makes sure that the line is safe to press medication through and that there's no like blood clot or anything in there. Okay. Uh, so I used to push my flushes and I couldn't see. So she called me out on it and she was my reason for getting healthy. And then once I got healthy, nursing school became a really selfish experience for me. It wasn't necessarily about helping people because every time I passed a pill, I got annoyed. Every time that I had a patient that I was like, oh, I could fix this person with diet and exercise. Mm. And I would sit down to talk to them. They'd be like, nope, I would just like the pill. Right. Uh, Because it's easier. It's so much easier than doing the research and sitting down and it's a lot and it's overwhelming and it's an emotional process for sure. Um, And so I was getting really bitter. And so I was like, listen, I'm just going to use nursing school to figure out exactly what happened in my body and know on a clinical cellular level what's happening so I have clarity and understanding. So it was a very therapeutic experience for me. Wow. Had patients along the way that I was able to connect with, um, but not on the level that I was craving, which is why I'm no longer. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's crazy. So then you graduated nursing school and then what happened after that? So I graduated and I was looking at all of my friends going into the field and I knew how I felt when I was on the floor and I was like, I just don't want to do it. I, I don't fucking hate this. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I would have patients who were rude and they didn't want to see me or and nursing is such a noble profession, but the impact that I wanted to have wasn't inside the hospital. And there's so many different realms that you can take in nursing. Mm-hmm. So I don't want this to like sound like I'm shitting on nursing because I'm not. It just wasn't for me. Right. And it wasn't me living my truth. And so I was realizing that every time that I want to, to escape studying or I want to do escape anything nursing related, I always wound up at the studio. I mm. always wound up, I was working at a studio at the time. I got certified through all of my stay-at-home daughter is when I got my Pilates certification. So I was teaching while I was in the school. Um, and so I realized that like the thing that I was doing when I was procrastinating was the thing that I was most passionate about. Right. I needed to push all of my energy into. And so I got my first like full-time teaching job. Um, I graduated in December. I got my 
first full-time teaching job in June. I, I actually started on my birthday um, and it was nothing like I thought it was going to be. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be a Pilates stu- like studio manager at this amazing, gigantic corporation and it's going to be great. Right. And I was in it and I was like, oh my God, this is the worst ever. Why? It was corporate. It was sales driven. I made $9 a class. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. And you had to sell in order to make money. And it was a hundred percent commission based. So I made all of my money based on selling. So you sold packages, you sold personal training and you sold supplements. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at these supplements that I was supposed to sell $2,000 a month of And I just couldn't touch them. I couldn't promote them. So luckily I was in the Pilates studio. I would shut the door and I would be like, okay, so this is the product that I'm supposed to sell you this month. Here's why you're not going to take the supplement. And I would show them on the ingredients list why we're not going to take this. And if you're looking for something that does this same thing, here's where you can get it on Amazon for cheaper Mm -hmm. and safer. Um, So I was the worst employee in all of America. (laughs) But the best coach because people trust you. Yeah. Like I'm never going to ever put my name to something that I wouldn't put in my body, put in a child's body. Like I'm so psycho about that kind of thing. So time time out real quick. No wonder you two get along. (laughs) (laughs) So much. And even like, I'm pretty knowledgeable and there's so much that I don't even know, but I try my best to learn as much as I can. Uh, but so my take home every two weeks from this job was $600 and I was working 15 hour days. Wow. I was like, this is just not for me. That's yeah. the kind of shit you can only get away with when you're like 12 years old. Right. Exactly. <laughs> when you're just like super young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a car payment. Like I, yeah. <laughs> you're like, this is my car payment. Like what? <laughs> Literally, I was like, I can't even do anything with this amount of money. Like I'm student loans. Like I have my nursing degree and I'm like trying to like follow my dreams. So, um, two friends of mine ended up opening up a studio and that's where a lot of my growth really, really came from. So yeah. I knew that they were opening it. Um, I ended up working there for a year and a half, teaching 22 classes a week, seven days a week. Whoa. Um, yeah. And it was a really good learning opportunity for me. And it definitely, um, I gained a lot from that experience for sure. It's nice because when you find something that you're so passionate about, and I hate to be like this, but if you find a job you love, you never work a day in your life. And for you to be like, I work seven days a week and I worked X amount of classes and that's just what I did. And I think that that's the best because you're following your passion, you're sinking yourself into it, and then you're able to just like share. I don't know, you feel fulfilled after you share, you know, like you have a class and you're like, like it feels good. The different energies and the different people that like come in there. So cool. Yeah, my girls were ride or dies for me. Like from the second that the studio was announced, um, I was one of the original instructors. I had I was the first one to waitlist. I had waitlists since day one. People would wake up at midnight to book my classes a month out. That's the um, best feeling in the whole world. Yeah, I was really, really fortunate that I found my people. And the thing that happened in that room, so there's only five reformers, which is the piece of equipment that Pilates is taught on. Mm-hmm. And I would get to shut that door. And I practiced so much vulnerability in that room and I would tell stories and I would share pieces of me and I wasn't afraid to cry in front of them and I wasn't afraid to laugh in front of them and we would have really difficult discussions or whatever it needed to be, whatever they needed, 
And so what ended up happening was these insane friendships, these insane, very dysfunctional bonds (laughs) that we like created together. And my clients became my entire universe, which is why teaching seven days a week wasn't an issue because I was getting paid to hang out with my friends. Yeah. And it was just like so mutually beneficial because they were getting not only a workout, but they were getting this community. And I was getting everything that I wanted out of nursing, I was getting in that room. Because if somebody had a nutrition question, let's talk about it, right? If somebody wanted to talk about a really bad day at work or breakup or whatever it may be, or like a mom wanted to talk about putting her daughter on birth control and we were all like a younger group of girls in there and how to have that discussion. So we talked about real life stuff in there and it was just like the most powerful, uplifting thing to just have that space with like me and my girls. And I will never um, take that for granted ever. It becomes super therapeutic. And like, you can say things where people understand you, right? Like those were your people. So like we, when I, I teach spin classes. So like when I teach and if like we're pushing hard, I'm like, we got 30 seconds. Anybody can do anything for 30 oh, seconds. Let's go. I hear that. Sh- I hear he her hears- say that in my fucking nightmare. <laughs> but those are things you've probably said things where people are like, oh my God, remember when Katie said this? Oh yeah, I can do this. That and you can do hard things is like, I'm running and I hear this bitch in my fucking brain. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, but so, so you, you formed this, this community, this, these tight knit friendships, were they like start a blog or were you like, I want to start a blog and a podcast? So the Pilates Blonde is an old ass blog. Um, and I kind of just wanted to document my own journey when I was starting to get healthy. Um, and like, I like scrolled back like far on my Instagram yesterday and like my Instagram is so old that it was acceptable to post like the dog filter selfies on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) So like the blog came way before everything else. So the blog, I think think is like, I think I started it in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that came first. And so the nice thing for me and how I utilize it now is very differently than I utilized it in 2016 is if I have a conversation with a client or they want to know a recipe that I made, or we talked about it in class, I will be like, Oh, I'll go home and I'll write that blog post for mm-hmm. you. So it's like a springboard for my clients. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that like, people on Instagram will go on and find it and have a resource guide as well. So now I kind of use it as a springboard for my clients and anything that we talk about or that they need from me. Now you have a hub or a home where you can find all of that information. Um, and so that's kind of what it's turned into, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really cool because at first it was just me posting like such random. <laughs> well, that's super smart too, right? To give yeah. them a resource that you kind of are able to control. Um, and then, so you taught it the, that studio for how long before you decided it was time to start your own thing? A year and a half. Yeah. So it was. <laughs> Sorry, Isa. <laughs> I heard it before. It was right after the one year mark. So I was going through like a pretty big breakup, a very big breakup. And I was back on Bumble and I was swiping and I was like talking to this guy and he has done like four startups at like 28 years old. And so we were talking back and forth and he and I never met up. Um, and he like called me as I was driving to the studio one day and he was like, how much 
is it per class? And I was like, it's X amount of dollars per class. And he was like, well, how many are you teaching? And I was like, here's, here's the numbers. And he was like, okay, so this is how much money you're bringing in. Are you getting that in return? And I was like, obviously not. Like there's like overhead and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, so when are you opening up your own studio? And I was like, I'm not. And he was like, no, but you have to. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, I see the things that you're doing. I see the community that you have. I see the presence that you have, but you don't have any equity in it and you don't have wow. any equity over it. And he was like, so what are you doing? And I was just like, sir, we've never met before. And he <laughs> called me out on my shit. And he was like, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And we hung up the phone and I went and I taught three classes and it was like ringing in my head the entire time, like everything that he said. And I got home and I pulled out my laptop and I typed up a business plan that night. Holy shit. Yeah. October 3rd. That's because a stranger saw the, your potential. Wait, so have you kept in touch with this guy? Are you because dating he, him? No. <laughs> but have you kept in touch with him? Um, like we're on Snapchat and like I'll snap him. And honestly and truly, he has been such a cheerleader for me. He needs to be on your, he needs to be one of your advisors because he's going to help you expand. Like honestly and truly, like this guy came and he literally, we've never met before. And I was just like, wow, like homie just like pulled through for me. Yeah, for real. But those are, that's like one of those divine interventions. Like you guys matched for a reason. Yeah. Like that was like the universe, like kicking me in the balls. And it was so, and it was, I'm glad that that's exactly how it happened because it was like, so like my extant love things that I was doing and didn't really have the match my ambition. Um, and to have like a stranger see my potential and be like, call me out on it. When Yo. a stranger sees that you're not potential, you're really not meeting your potential. Right, for sure. I was just thinking like, do you know how much energy must have been surrounding you that like other people saw and you were just like, yeah, but I'm using my energy in this way. And people are like, no, 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 no. Yeah. That's crazy. That's amazing. <laughs> you said just got really excited for a second. Yeah, that's like really incredible. So you take this, you start writing up your business plan, then what? Then I needed to really figure out what I wanted my studio to be. And I'm in a very saturated area. And there's just so many incredible studios around here. And I had to figure out why people are drawn to me and what sets my classes apart from the studio down the street and what can I bring to my girls that's different. And I sat down and I was like, what is the basis of everything that I do? And everything comes back to mindset. Everything that we do comes back to mindset. And it's the same thing of my mom ripping the sheets off of mm-hmm. me and saying, the fuck out of bed. That's mindset, right? Like I was still physically very, very ill, but she taught me how to be mentally strong. Yeah. So I need to give that gift back to the world. So when people walk into my studio, the first time that they come in and when they fill it up, um, they're handed a journal and they can use that for whatever they want. They can use it for actually journaling, meditation, progress, however they feel that they need to progress, whatever that is for them, a journal. And then they get an email like bi-weekly with journal prompts and podcasts that I've listened to and a documentary that I've watched or a book that I'm reading. Um, so it's not aesthetically based. I don't care about the calories that you burned. I don't care about the amount of burpees that you got through. That's amazing. That's great. But that's temporary, right? The thoughts in your head are with you 24-7. Always. And 
Right. So there's going to be a time that you're going to have an injury and you're not going to be able to do that many burpees, or there's going to be a time where you're really stressed, your cortisol increases and your weight goes up. And that's not what I want the conversation to be about. And Mm -hmm. I, if somebody is on a weight loss journey, like I'm there to support them, but I want to make sure that their mindset is the healthiest that it can be. So that was the really nice thing about having this studio was I had the freedom to run it and speak in the way that I feel the most fit. And for me, that's mindset, that's connection, that's impact, and less about the size of the space or the dollar amount that I'm bringing in because that shit doesn't matter at the end of the day because the money that I have in the bank isn't showing up at my funeral, right? My people are showing up at my funeral. Yeah, for sure. So I'm able to figure that out and write it out and write a business plan that felt good to live in, not something that's going to fill up my bank account. Whoa. I feel so inspired listening to you talk because everybody else's business plan is the complete opposite. Like how much weight can you lose? How much can I torture them until they like get to this point of just like complete depletion and being, you know, like having the one goal. And if you don't get to this goal, then like, what are you going to do? And it's like, no, it's just like, go easy on yourself and speak to yourself lovingly. And then we'll get to where we need to go. I love I'm going to throw Isa under the bus right now because for our whole relationship, anytime I ask her to do something or tell her to do something or tell her she has to read or follow or watch, she tells me no. Every fucking time. And so mm-hmm. for a while now, I'm like, you got to follow Katie. You got to follow the Pilates bond. You're going to love her. You're going to love her. And she never fucking listens to me ever. So now she's sitting here talking to you and I can see, I see she's in love with you already. I can tell. Yeah. Um, but no, it's really, you really truly are inspirational. And I want to know, so you opened your studio in Feb and then in March COVID happens. Yes, so you had to, did you have to close? Yeah, so I opened on February 29th. So I technically opened oh. in, in March. Yeah. Wow. So I, yeah, it was a lot. So I had 12 days open. And in those 12 days, I received so much support from my community that I wasn't panicked at all. Honestly and truly, I would have been in a worse financial position had I stayed in my old situation. Yeah. Um, And COVID for me was, this is going to sound horrible, but it was great. The first, I was still hustling, getting everything done for the studio because I had two weeks to see what my business looked like. And then I had the space, opportunity, and time to pivot anything that didn't feel good, anything Mm -hmm. that didn't feel authentic. So I got to iron out that first week. And then that second week, I had a full crash, like physically, mentally, emotionally. I, well, I left my old studio on Friday at noon and opened my new studio at 6 a.m. the following morning. So I didn't even give myself- You're fucking nuts. (laughs) Insane. I didn't give myself a full 24 hours to mourn, to shower, to wash my hair. Like there was no time to do- Mm -hmm anything. I didn't give myself that space and grace. Um, and the entire time that I was doing this, building this studio from October to February, I was teaching 22 times a week, sometimes more. If I was subbing classes, I was working at Lululemon 24 hours a week and secretly doing the studio on the side in all of that extra time. So I was extra time. We're going to use that. Yeah. So I, um, 
would go to bed at like 11 p.m. and wake up at four to get it all done. And so my cortisol levels were through the roof. Mm -hmm. And so the second week of COVID, I literally just like rode my bike and did nothing. Yeah, vacation. Um, And that was really, really nice. And then I got back to work. and You flipped that shit on so quick. Yeah. Like yeah. so quick you had how many, so now you're all, you're doing all zoom, right? Or are you allowed to open yet? I'm not technically allowed to open. I can do nutrition consults in person because I have enough space in the studio to do like the six feet situation. But my nursing back, like studios that are about to open with masks makes me nervous because yeah. is an acid. And so people can go into like have too much acid in their body, which is dangerous. Um, so I will not be doing any sort of workout workout if somebody wants to come in I have a friend who has a back injury I trust her I know that she's not been exposed she wants to come stretch out her for a therapeutic reason on the machine and I guide her through something that her heart rate isn't going to be elevated I'm cool with that Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not going to do anything where anybody's sweating what were you saying you said sweat is an acid is that what you're saying so CO2. Oh, okay. I didn't, cause it like blocked you out. So I didn't hear what you said. CO2. Okay. Got it. Got it. That's an acid. So I won't bring anybody in like no working out with a mask. Right. Yeah. I don't even want to, like, I don't even leave my house cause I just don't want to wear a mask period. Cause it's annoying and I'm suffocating and I don't want to. Yeah. Um, so now you're doing all zoom and you have how many classes a week? Uh, there's 12 classes on the schedule. I teach 11 of them. My little brother, who is a certified personal trainer, teaches one. Um, but we, like, <sighs> the team teach. So he'll pop in and we'll so talk. cool. Yeah, no, he's the best. <laughs> Literally, I envy people that have really co- close relationships with their siblings because I, like, don't really. Like, I mean, he's cool and whatever. But we just got zero in common, you know? So it's, I th- always think it's, like, so nice when people have really co- close relationships to, with their Especially to work with. yeah. Yeah, there's definitely been like some bumps. He's six years older than me. So he, and and we are very different places. Like I'm 27 and he's about to be 21. So we're very, very different places in life. Um, But we both have a passion for fitness. He's so knowledgeable. Like one of those people who's constantly just like reading things about the fitness industry. He and I have a goal to open up a gym together one day, like a real big grungy chalk on the floor. Yeah. gym. Um, so I want him to establish himself in the industry. Um, so I paid for him to get certified. We did a certification together, um, at the beginning of COVID. And so I was like, all right, like take me through some workouts, like do some programming with me. So we did that. And then I put him on the schedule and he's been amazing. Just like a natural born teacher, instructor, the way he cues, if we're team teaching, like if I forget to cue something, he jumps right in and cues for me. And I'm like, that's exactly it. Like I that's love amazing. Yeah. He's not afraid to correct me. And I've been in this industry for seven years. So I love that he, when he knows something more than I do, he has the confidence to like put me in my place, which is good. Yeah. Mm. And you guys learn from each other. Oh, for sure. So how does teaching online compare to teaching in person? (laughs) No one can see your eye roll that just happened. (laughs) Okay. So I thought I was safe and then COVID happened. Um, So when I'm teaching 
at my studio. I'll demo like a few reps or like if somebody's like low on energy and we're doing jump squats, I'll get in there and I will do jump squats with them. But I'm maybe burning a hundred calories during one of these classes. Like it's not my workout. It's not about mm-hmm. me. It's about them. I am the coach in that situation. Zoom. It is my responsibility to make sure that not only am I cueing, motivating, checking form, I'm also performing the exercises. Mm -hmm. And with 12 classes, oh my lanta, it is so hard. (laughs) It is so hard to motivate, watch my own form, make sure that everybody else is doing it. Like it, like the first few weeks I was like, oh my God, I'm not in shape. I got in my bathtub and I was like, I can't physically move. This I'm going to, I'm going to drown here. <laughs> I was like, I'm a fraud. I'm not even in shape. Like, the, and then I had to like check myself and be like, okay, it is not normal, nor is it healthy to be working out for three hours a day. That's not okay. Um, I would never preach that, promote that like at all. Um, sitting here, it's, I haven't even finished teaching for the day and I'm at 1500 calories burned from exercise alone not like just basal metabolic rate. Holy so like, shit. correct. So like, that's not a <laughs> to be burning. And I still have a 7 PM class, which won't be that much. It'll be like 200 calories, but you get to eat all the food. Correct. <laughs> so a lot of people have asked me to do like a, what I eat in a day type situation. I'm like, I don't think you understand <laughs> how yeah. food I need to eat on a daily basis. Like, it's not a normal amount of food because I'm not doing a normal amount of fitness. You're basically an NFL player right now. Correct. <laughs> I can't wait to reopen the studio so that I can go back to telling stories and, like, actually being able to catch my breath and, like, motivate the way that I love to. Yeah, so it's definitely been an adjustment for sure physically. Mm-hmm. I also can't feed off of the energy, which I think yeah. a lot of instructors didn't realize how much we need the energy from yeah. that's where we get it from. That's where like, if we're sprinting on a bike, I'm also spin certified. I don't teach right now, but like, I'm also we're getting to that last sprint of class and you're on the podium and like, they're watching you. Like their energy is what gets you through that. So 100%. difficult to find it when it's just like you in a room by yourself. Yeah. I am just so impressed. Did you hear how she just like sprinkled that in? She's like, oh yeah, by the way, spin certified also. Boom. She also sprinkled <laughs> in a full house quote, which I have to respect because I think of uh, over a year of doing this, we've never had anyone drop a full house quote like that. What was it? I missed it. Oh, my Lanta. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just like so nonchalant. Um. Yeah, that's, I totally, I totally feel you. And that's why I wanted to ask that question because I do have a lot of friends that are instructors who have now had to switch online and it's, it's a transition, but you, I mean, what do I fucking know? I didn't, I didn't take your in-person classes, so I wouldn't know, but you online and for the most part, I've had done, um, like the recordings, you know? Um, cause I have, if I don't work out at 7am, I don't work out, but like you seem to have it down to a science. You know what I mean? Like you seem to feel very comfortable just like kind of like talking to yourself basically. And it comes to a point too, where you're just like, it's a fight or flight response. Like I just opened my gym. I'm in this situation. We got to pivot strong. And like, what else am I going to do? You can't just shut now. You couldn't shut down. You know, you couldn't just be like, well, didn't work. Like, or whatever. Well, COVID. 
Yeah, I think that a few things. I definitely had, so my community, my girls, my ride or dies, um, before I went live on Zoom, I had a week where it was just them and I, so that I could really feel what it was like. Mm. I had people that I was super duper comfortable with, super duper vulnerable. Um, they know like the depths of my soul. Um, so that was really good practice for me. I also think that having a podcast is also really good practice because I literally sit in a room, like stare at a wall behind and just like talk. So I think that is really helpful. And then also I'm very comfortable on Instagram stories, which is basically the same thing. And your podcast too. Yeah. Like I just like sit and talk to myself all day long. So it's (laughs) normal. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense, I guess. Um, I want to like make a point too for like any of your followers, because it seems like they, uh, you know, or like, you know, your, your people, like they love you. Whenever she talks about you guys, she's like clutching her heart and like getting overwhelmed. And like, you can see how much you love them and like appreciate them. So just putting that out there. Oh my God, when I talk about them, I cry. Like, <laughs> I love them so, like, that is my goal in life. Like, I truly do not care about anything but my connection with my community. And mm-hmm. whether that's an online community or whatever it is, like, that is the thing that fuels me. Nothing else in the universe means more to me than my human being. Yep. That's awesome. That's, and I'm sure that they'll appreciate to hear that, but I'm sure they hear that from you all the time. Yeah, they know that I'm obsessed with that. <laughs> so, so far, what can you say? And I know it, you haven't had the longest time in the studio, but so far, what can you say is your favorite thing about being a business owner? Um, the flexibility. When I was working for other studios, um, and I've worked for five studios, I didn't have flexibility in mm-hmm. my schedule in that, like, yes, on Wednesdays, I take off. So I went and I worked out with my trainer in the morning and then I came home and I showered and then I got to spend the afternoon doing whatever I wanted where I didn't have that freedom before. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would wake up and I would check my phone and I'd be like, okay, so I'm teaching three classes today and I have three privates today. When can I eat? Whereas now I have the control to create the lifestyle that I want to, mm. which makes me a better instructor because I'm sleeping more. I actually have a social life for the first time in two years where I can actually sit down and have a conversation with a friend where that wasn't an option before because I was teaching early in the morning and mid morning and evening. Yeah. So I didn't have, mm-hmm. I was working weekends. I, that has been the biggest gift is being able to actually have freedom. I'm glad that you said um, your relationships with other people, because that was a question that I was going to ask you. I'm also a business. I'm a co-owner right now because this is going to sound, well, I co-own with my dad. So until he kicks it, it's me and him together, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know how else to put it, you know, but, um, but I was going to ask you how owning your own business has affected your relationships with people. So it's nice that yours have improved. Yeah, Yeah. Like mine, had become a little bit tense only because like I started working with my dad probably when I was like 25. And I remember at six o'clock I'd be like, yo, can we go? Can we go? Like, I want to leave. Cause he was my ride home. And now it's like, that was when I was catering to my friends and I didn't really care about the business when he put me on and he was like, I want to sign you on to half. This is going to be ours. All of a sudden it like flipped a little bit where I was like, y'all can wait an hour. I'll be home late. I'm going to make some money. I'll see you. T- I'll see you soon. You know, but it was a little bit of point of contention because like my friends would kind of be like, Oh, you're not going to be here at seven. You're going to be here at eight. Why? 
And I was like, gotta make, are you going to pay my bills? No. So I think I also really have surrounded myself with people who understand mm-hmm. that if I set a goal, I'm doing it. There's no, Clearly. About it. Yeah. So if I tell someone I can hang out with you from 3 PM until 8 PM, that is what I have. I will be off my phone. I will be unplugged. That is what I'm giving you. That is what I have on a Wednesday afternoon. I need to leave by 8 PM. I set an alarm on my phone and luckily people are super duper respectful of like, that's my boundary. And so there's certain things that like I need as a human being. And it's been so nice that like everyone in my life knows that if I'm making time for them, they're such a priority to me and that I will be 100% present, but I have to have those boundaries in order to do everything else. And yeah, I've been really lucky with that, honestly. Like, yeah, but, yeah. They res- but they clearly see that you have a lot of drive and that they respect you because it took a lot of like weeding out for me and get getting to an older age to find my people to be like, oh, they know how I work. They know how I am. You, you want your friends to be like, oh yeah, Katie, Katie's not going to do that after 8 p.m. You want like your friends to speak for you that way to be like, oh no, I know her. She's not going to do that. But if you do it between this time, we're good. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like you just find your people and then they understand you and it's even better when you hang out with them. So yeah, it's, it's definitely refreshing. All of my relationships right now are so strong and so healthy. And in a past like romantic relationship that I was in, if I was doing something and I set a goal, it, the conversation wasn't ever like, I'm so proud of you for like doing X, Y, and Z. It was like, okay, well, when are you going to spend time with me? And I'm like, okay, well here, here, and here it still works. And they're like, well, no, that's, and it was just, I had to realize that like the right people that are supposed to be in my life are going to be so respectful of those boundaries and celebrate them. Mm -hmm. And we will meet in the middle and we'll figure it out and we'll make that time for each other. And it'll just be easy. So easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So on the reverse side of that, what's your least favorite part about being a business owner so far? The admin. I'm so bad at it. that and like they don't teach you business things in nursing school it would be silly there's no reason for me to know how to do those things right so I truly am like google youtube university like all the way (laughs) and I am fully confident in like I pay for Skillshare so I get on in the morning or at night or whatever when I have free time and try and learn a new skill and I am not above saying that like there's a lot of shit that like I am not capable of doing or right. terms that I don't know what they are. So that has been definitely the biggest challenge. Um, and definitely the first thing that I'm going to hire out is someone who understands business because I just don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Secretly, they don't teach you business in business school either. <laughs> don't tell anyone I said that. No, but like shit changes so fast. You learn Excel, like two years later, Excel look, looks completely different and you have to take an Excel class to figure out what the fuck is going on. And so it's like, don't stress, hire for your weaknesses, all of that stuff. Um, do, for your studio, do they, have you heard anything about reopening yet or like what they plan on doing or phasing? So where I'm at is supposed to go into the yellow, which doesn't really mean much for me. I shouldn't open until the green. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be on Zoom. And I, from the get-go, once I got the hang of Zoom, I was like, oh, I'm never getting off of Zoom. Like this will always be a piece of my business mm-hmm. because I've had clients who have moved to Colorado or Texas or whatever, and they're able to 
just zoom into the class and I can send them the recording and then they can do it at their own time. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to bring that element into my group classes where if there's someone who doesn't want to be on camera, I would obviously like shift them so they're out of the viewpoint. Um, but then somebody's going to get a real authentic version of my class from home. So Zoom is staying. Um, I shouldn't open until the green. I'm super duper fortunate that the space that I have for my group fitness classes is massive. If I could fit probably 45 people in it, um, but I'm going to take it to 10 people, mm. take out the floor. Everyone's going to have their own equipment um, and just like make it super duper spacious. I also have, I think, eight windows in that space. So I'm just going to open up the windows and it's essentially an outdoor workout. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hot as fuck in Pennsylvania and people are going to be like, what the fuck? Why yeah. am I sweating? Super sweaty. Um, everybody's going to be in their taped off little square with their own. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to shift class times, things like that. Um, and then my brother Matt and I are going to teach on the weekends um, until he goes back up to school. Um, but yeah, so I have to wait until the green, which I don't foresee happening until August. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if I'm being realistic, especially seeing how like the trends are going, I'm expecting a spike in COVID um, and things to get a little bit like tighter again. Um, so I'm just playing it by ear, but Zoom is here to stay for sure. That's so cool. Um, fuck. I just lost my train of thought. Shit. All right. Well, refer, refer back to the Google Doc then. Um, wait. So, oh, I know what I was going to say. I feel like a lot of what I see from you in your classes, on social media, whatever, is like the you that we're seeing right now, like super happy and positive and like just, you're like a, you're like a glass of champagne. <laughs> um but like you did say a couple times when we were talking that like you've had bad days like you have bad days so what do you do what do you do when you have bad days but you still have to be on yeah so that's a great question because I do have to be on um I don't have bad days often if I'm being fully honest um I come from a place of because I can I will and I definitely like all of the, I don't want to use the word trauma, but all of the experiences that I had when I was like 12 to 17 really, really stuck with me. So any bad day that I have now is so good compared to where I was. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard for me to have a bad day with that perspective. Now it does happen usually when I'm hormonal mm -hmm. um, and I will do a few things. One, I'm going to nap and I'm going to have probably cookie dough and a lot of cookie dough. Mm. Um, that's typically how it goes because usually I can cure whatever I'm feeling with either sleep or food. And like that, I'm usually mm. like, I haven't like eaten enough calories with the amount that I'm moving or I haven't been sleeping and I've been stressed. So I'll start there from there journaling, getting out whatever noise is in my head. Um, the week that I had a really bad week, second week of COVID I got on the scale for the first time since October and I didn't get on the scale because the batteries died and I was too busy from October until open. And I got on the scale and I gained 20 pounds to zero. Pounds. Mm -hmm. 
And it was like a gut punch. And I took it to heart. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at myself in the mirror and then I pulled out my jeans. My jeans still fit. Doesn't matter what size they are. Um, my Lululemon leggings still fit exactly the same. And I was like, okay, so where did this come from? And had to go through, okay, like what had I been doing? And I was like lifting a lot because I was really stressed. And I sometimes lift with my ego. So when like I would be going to like decrease the amount of weight on the bar, like a boy would walk in and then I had to flex. So then I would add more weight. And then (laughs) my leg press was up to 720 pounds. Well, reps, I mean, disgusting amount of weight. Like that's not a normal like fitness, like that's not okay. Right. So I was like, okay, I know that that's where it's coming from, but I also know that I have a lot of like emotional shit that Mm -hmm. I did not deal with and compartmentalized while I was like going through all of that shit from October to opening Mm -hmm. because I didn't have time to feel my feelings. So I went to Target, I got a cheap ass notebook and I sat down and I wrote all of my shit out. I'm like, where did I make progress? Where did I go wrong? Where Not that the number bothered me, but because my joints are bone on bone, 20 extra pounds on knees that can't handle that is an issue. Yeah. And so I sat down and I realized that in that span of time that I was like working like crazy, I'd also ended two extremely toxic relationships in my life. One was a romantic relationship. One was like a frenemies type situation. Um, like a compliment to my face and then like a stab in the back type situation. Um, And so I was like, wow, that is so much more important than whatever the scale is saying, whatever like other like successes I have in my life in quotes. Um, Yeah. Like ending those two relationships and giving me that emotional freedom back and then writing it out and then thinking about it and then taking a bike ride and talking it out in my head and then taking a drive and like really working through those emotions. I was like, Oh, I'm fine. Like everything's good now. (laughs) So that's kind of how I handle a bad day very systematically. That's Um, really good. And a super important point because our bodies do like, they find a way to hold on to trauma and emotions that we don't deal with. And shameless plug to our friendship breakups episode. We did a whole episode on breaking up with people that don't serve you. Mm -hmm. Not just romantic relationships, but like you can have fucking friends that are bringing you the fuck down. And that shit affects your health at the end of the day. I ha- I straight up have a friend of me right now and I was talking to Abby about it yesterday and she had like messaged me and I'm like, yo, I'm so sick of this bitch. I don't want to talk to her anymore. And she just, Abby just wrote back to me and she was like, girl, you're at work. You're busy. Don't answer her back. And I was yeah, like, really? whoa, but I needed like almost that permission <laughs> though to like release it and be like, oh yeah, you're right. I don't have to give her my time. I don't have to do these things. And every time I'm messaging Abby about it, she's like, yo, why do you talk to her? And I'm like, I'm just, it just, I'm trying to make it, I don't even know. I don't want to be your friend. I just don't want her to talk to me. I want it to just like evaporate. But yes, and I give you a lot of credit because it's really hard to have a back-to-back, like break up in any sort of relationship and then to like process through it and be like, oh, I've been holding on to this. Yeah, definitely. And you, and I mean, I for sure held on to so much of it. And like, there was so much like hurt that I needed to like layer through. So I literally would sit down for like a half an hour and like, just like the things that I was able to map out and get out. I like truly haven't had a bad day since I got all of that aggression out because I needed it so badly. (laughs) Did you like learn all this stuff from your family? Like, cause your, your mom seems like the type of person that'll be like, figure it out and like whatever, or have you ever been in therapy or anything like that? 
I love therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Therapy mm-hmm. is permission. And here's what I love about therapy. And I was having a conversation with a friend a few months ago and I was like, I really think that you should try therapy because she was going through a very traumatic breakup and everyone was adding in their two cents. And I was like, listen, everyone's coming at you with their baggage, their trauma. They're projecting their relationship issues onto yours. Mm -hmm. Please, for the love of God, go see a therapist because they're going to come at you with like gloves, but like, they're going to like, let you know, like when you're in the wrong, because your friends aren't going to tell you a lot of your friends. I'm not the one to sugarcoat and be like, yeah, same. (laughs) And Abby, definitely not. (laughs) What are you talking about? I'm so sugary. (laughs) (laughs) Those friends, right? So I went to therapy all last summer and it was so good for me. So Mm -hmm. good for me. So that was really, really helpful to like, yeah, just talk it out and like sit down on the couch and like put my feet up and be like, you are not going to believe what happened. (laughs) Oh my God. I never put my feet up. Issa, do you put your feet up? No, I sit cross-legged on like a recliner. I sit like, I sit (laughs) so uncomfortably and I don't know why. Like this is the severalth, severalth time that someone has been like, yeah, I lay down or like I put my feet up or whatever. Like I never fucking do that. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm like Rose in the Titanic. I'm just like... (laughs) Listen to this. Hate <laughs> me like one of your girls. One of your French girls. Um, okay, so you told us your bad day routine. So what's your like everyday stay grounded routine? Love this. Um, so a lot of people are like give like a really beautiful what their morning routine looks like, but I'm gonna give you the real answer. Um, so I wake up between I'm one of those people that needs 10 alarms. Um, I wake up every morning between 3.50 and 5 a.m., depending on like what I'm doing that day. I spend a full hour by myself in the morning. If I don't have a full hour by myself, it's not great. Um, first thing that I do is check my phone. A lot of people are like, don't check your phone. I First thing I do, check my phone. Anything pressing, I like address first thing. Then I go downstairs, make a cup of coffee, let my dog out. Um, he runs back upstairs. I grab coffee, head back up to bed. I pull out a book called The Daily Stoic, and I read like the little paragraph that's in there and do a little reflection underneath. Um, a lot of mornings, I sit in front of a red light, um, which helps with inflammation. And so I'll sit in front of it on my floor and then do my daily stoicism. And above that, like where my red light is, one of my clients hand-painted Um, this thing for me. And it's my favorite quote. And it says, today I'm going to do what others aren't willing to. So tomorrow I can do what they aren't capable of. So I have this like moment by myself where I just like set my intention for the day. And then for the rest of like the 15 minutes, the light is on. I'm scrolling through my phone, Instagram, Twitter, a little TikTok, emails, like whatever I can get in in those 15 minutes. Then I usually pop back into bed and either watch wedding videos on YouTube or my 600 pound life. Oh, <laughs> where to God. Why? Why wedding videos? I love, okay. So it's like this one part of wedding videos that gets me every time. And I like, don't care about anything else. I love a good love story. Um, and I love the part of wedding videos where brides and grooms read a letter to each other that they wrote on their wedding day before they see each other. And it just makes me so happy. 
<laughs> like I love to see people like in their happiest, most vulnerable moments. Mm-hmm. And it just brings so much joy to my life. <laughs> oh my gosh. And why 600 pound life? Um, I think that it brings perspective to me for a few things. I think it makes me appreciate everything that I'm able to do, um, in my body. I think that it makes me appreciate my health. I also think that it's a really nice mindset tool of like, I definitely have an addictive personality, Mm -hmm. um, which is how I have so many things going in my life. Um, and like, you're like one bad decision away from being bedridden, right? Like it's, it's not that, Like I can understand the mindset of how people have gotten there. And it's also a nice reminder of every single person on that show has some sort of trauma that they're coming with. And for me, everyone who shows up to my class, I might not know what trauma they've experienced when they were younger or something that they're bringing with them to class that they went through that day until they start opening up about it, which they always do Mm -hmm. uh, eventually once we start working together because I'm very vulnerable. So they end up sharing. Um, But it's nice to realize that even somebody who you can judge so harshly, like someone who physically can't shower by themselves in a situation that they technically got in themselves, there's always an underlying reason. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's a really nice reminder for someone like me who's in this industry that can be very superficial to remind yourself that like, we're all human and like, we could all be that person on that show. I also just think like the doctor's funny. So that's nice. <laughs> that you leave it to you to make that a very poignant explanation <laughs> as to why you watch reality TV. Like I'm impressed. Um, <laughs> um, speaking of Isa, I'm manifesting it right now. We're going to have Ryan holiday on this show one day. Love that for you. Putting it out there into the universe. Okay. I'm expecting you to do the manifestation part. I got it. I'm I don't know. Say. I don't know who that is though. Ryan Holiday is an author. He wrote the Daily Stoic. You Issa doesn't read. Even though I keep begging her to read, she doesn't read. Um Ugh. he's he's very brilliant. He's no, very I, brilliant. Re- I will. I just you know, I gotta You just won't. <laughs> five minutes. It's and, and sometimes it's like not even that deep. Like sometimes I don't journal about it, sometimes I do. Um And what's really interesting is some days, like if I'm feeling really inspired by whatever that paragraph is, like I'll take a picture of my response to it and post it on my Instagram story. And it's so interesting, like the things that different people pull. So like if I post my vulnerable, like whatever I was feeling based on whatever that was, Mm -hmm. um, I get a response back of someone being like, oh my goodness, I am going through X, Y, and Z, and this is how I interpreted it. So I keep my book and I rewrite it it, because you read like one paragraph a day and you like, it's dated. Um, so I go back and I look at it and I'm like, oh, like that's where I was mindset wise. Oh, wow, mm-hmm. That's actually really smart. See, like that. I very much respect Abby's thoughts and opinions, but we're very different in the way that she's like not super emotional. And I'm way too like, honestly, I said this the other day. I was like, not one single emotion sifts through my body without tears. Like not one. Right. So when it's like, oh, you should read. I feel like I, it's not because I don't like to read or I don't know how I just, (laughs) um, (laughs) but I just feel like, I don't know. I almost feel like if I see it in print, it's going to weigh really heavily on me. And I am just like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to read and carry something with me all day. It's something that's like sad or emotional or like, uh, I'm glad if it inspires me, but even that is like, 
now I won't stop thinking about it because I too have an addictive personality and I just don't want to like, uh, like get myself so involved in something because I'm like, I don't have the room for it right now. I just want to like chill and like not care about anything. You know, I care too much. It's my problem. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. There are some days where I'm like, whoo, that hit me right in the ticker. That yeah. one. <laughs> you were, you were just talking about the, these people talking about love, t- writing their love letters to each other. And I was feeling myself get overwhelmed because I'm like, I know what you mean. <laughs> I get it. And I, and I thought, cause you're like, I just love, love. And I thought you, I swear, Katie. Oh my God. I love love. And I'm like, that's me too. I, I know. love love too. Issa yeah. goes to weddings of strangers as like random dates to people. And she just cries like a blubbering idiot. The More than the time. date. More than like the original guest. Yeah. The guest doesn't get, well, I mean, it's it's a dude, but like the guest will not care. Or even if I went with my mom to a, re- a wedding, I did not know these people. And I ugly cried in the back the whole time. My mom's like, I'm not even fucking crying. What's crazy? <laughs> You're crazy. I'm like, oh, they love each other so much. <laughs> That's crazy. amazing. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Let's um, see. Oh, so after the pandemic, now, well, I was going to say you had downtime. This is my question. It says, how do you feel having had the downtime, but you you have not? I haven't had any downtime. But actually, I've had more downtime than like I probably like make. So I used to work like, Friday night, Saturday night at the mall, and then, like, wake up, teach all day. Like, it was just bonkers. And so, like, having Wednesdays off and then having, like, I teach until, like, 11 on Saturday and then wow. get until Monday. Oh, 11 a.m. Why am I, like, p.m.? Yeah. A.m., yeah. So, it's just, like, that gap has been so good for me, especially, like, being in a very like single season of my life, like that has allowed so much like free time, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, like I've had, I mean, I haven't really like hung out with friends or whatever just because of COVID, but like it's given me that space, which has been really nice to just like kind of relax. Are, you're not still at Lulu, right? I am actually. Dang, good for you. You're like, wow. I love that discount. <laughs> <laughs> that's where my people are. Um, that's where like my ride or die friends are. And that company has been so good to us. And that, wow. that I have has been really good to me. Um, I'll probably stay through December and then not be there anymore. Um, but there's a lot of so much free personal development that you get from that company that like would cost me like twenty, fifty thousand dollars to like, yeah to like obtain on your own. Yeah, so I mean, it's just stupid if I don't stay at a company that one paid us all through COVID, like the whole thing, like have wow. Um, the company is just so, like so deeply embedded in integrity, and so I can't be any more grateful for that than I am. Um, so I'm gonna stay until probably December and then we'll probably part ways. That's awesome. With this downtime, I feel like it's a really important time to reflect as much Mm -hmm. as it was forced upon us. We're able to, you know, you're removed from certain situations or certain people. And now you can kind of evaluate like, wow, when I don't talk to so-and-so or when I don't go to this place, I feel better. I feel worse. I feel whatever. What are some things that COVID has allowed you to be like, I want to keep this in my life and I want to remove this from my life? Um, family time is huge. Mm-hmm. I, when I was at a different studio, I was teaching morning and evening and didn't have dinner with my family or didn't even really make eye contact with my family 
for like weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I think it was night. I worked 91 days straight, no days off. Oh. And I think I took a total of 10 days off in a year, including sick days. So the thing that I've taken from this is balance. It's totally cool to time block your day. So on Mondays, I'm in the studio in the morning. Tuesdays, I'm in the studio in the afternoon and I block off my calendar so that I can have dinner with my parents on Monday Mm -hmm. or have like breakfast by myself on Tuesday morning. So like that has been a real gift for me of creating my own schedule and like really sitting in what it's like to not have to just go all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I will keep with me forever. And so thankful for this time to like give me that gift and that permission to slow down. Mm, That's awesome. So before we, um, hit you with our episode ending questions, I just want to know, because I feel like a lot of people are going to ask like advice that you have for people that are trying to kind of like figure their shit out and like make it on their own and make their own rules. Advice that I, I think you just need to follow your gut. I think any situation that I have been in that I tried to kind of stifle feelings or that feeling in the base of my belly, it just never worked out. Um, and I think trusting your gut. I know what my strengths are, I know what my weaknesses are. I'm pretty self aware, um, which definitely took time and a lot of therapy. I would say really get connected with yourself mm-hmm. and get connected for your reason why you want to create change or whatever it is. Um, and be really, really honest with yourself about what you're good at um, and try and connect your passion with your gifts. I think that that's super duper important. Um, I don't think that I'm a super duper gifted instructor, right? Like anybody can count to 10 and give you a squat. But I think the thing that I'm really, really good at is creating connection and Mm. emotion and community. So taking my passion for fitness with my gift for connection, I was able to create something. So I think you need to know where your strengths lie and where your weaknesses are. And then really lean into your gifts and try and somehow match that with your passion. That was super powerful. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm going to tag along on to Abby's question with like, so she was saying about finding like your passion and like leaning in. What do you think for newbies that are like coming into your studio for the first time? How would you talk to somebody that's like, I've always wanted to try Pilates, but, and like, how do you, how do you speak to them to keep them there? How do you encourage somebody to just be like, go ahead and do it? Yeah, I think that the conversation, when somebody walks into my studio, my community is so welcoming. It's not even funny. Like you walk in and you feel, I actually had a friend give me feedback because I've been really struggling with my studio's social media because my studio can't sound like me because she's not me. She is bigger than me. She is the most welcoming, most friendly, most incredible vibe in the universe. And it's because of my clients, right? And so what somebody can expect when they walk in and they've been hesitant about trying it is they walk in and they are so welcomed, not only by me, but by the girls, which I think is like just so different. Like you walk in and you're like included in the conversation. There's never somebody like off in the corner, like mean girled out. It is very different. That is so rare. It's so powerful because they walk in or even like one thing that I really, really love about my clients is 
maybe I'm queuing through an exercise and the person I'm like correcting one person and these two people are on a mat over here and I'm correcting here. My clients have been so dedicated and they know my cueing. If a client needs a deepening cue or something, they'll turn over and be like, Hey, this is what really helped me. She's going to come down, but like, let me help you because I've been doing this with her for a year. And I love that my girls one feel comfortable and they know that I don't have an ego attached to my teaching. Um, and two, that creates such a bond of like, let me help you because I've been where you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the best thing about my studio is everyone leaves with friends. Like, yeah. it's just, and I like set up the class so that we can all see each other. We all have conversations. We're all watching the same documentaries. We're all like, when that R. Kelly nonsense came out, <laughs> we talked shit on R. Kelly for a full month. Like, <laughs> just like some unifying things that have like brought us all together. Like there's not one person who's like, yeah, R. Kelly's like a pretty solid dude. Like, yeah, I'm not with R. Kelly. Like not one person. <laughs> so, like, like a commonality or like whatever it was. Um, we just became really good friends and I created this community that like, actually they created this community. It wasn't me. It was them. Um, of just openness and acceptance and there's so much vulnerability in the room and like people come in and bear their soul which gives new people permission to bear their soul which is so mm -hmm. much fun that is so rare because it's so often that people that have been there and are more seasoned will just be like i was there but i ain't looking fucking back mm -hmm. you know like mm -hmm. i'm not turning around for you honey and to say like oh girl i've been there let me help you is so, the small sentence is so like welcoming and it makes you feel like, Ooh, I feel safe here. I yeah. can be, I can be safe here or I can fuck up and be here. Cause that's what everybody's worried about. Are you looking, totally. they're looking at me and it's like, you can say, say to somebody until you're blue in the face, literally no one's looking at you. We're on reformers. We're trying not to die. You know, <laughs> like we're trying not to slide off and back. We're trying to control it. And it's just so nice because that is so rare. And you often find that there's these clicky, the girls in the front and you know, like the ones that have like these tight little bodies that are in these cute little sets. And you're like, I can, you know, initially when you walk in your first, for me, it's like, oh my God, I could never be them. Not even like, I want to be them. Usually it's self-deprecating, like ah, that'll never be me. And you need that openness to, to like thrive. And then also that propels your business forward. Yeah, I'm very, very fortunate. And listen, like my personality is an acquired taste. Like I definitely like people. You think they'll hate me? Like I will be like, listen, like this actually like your butthole putter. I'm gonna tell stories. Butter shooting himself. Like I just don't care, right? So like I definitely have weeded out personalities who just like can't handle me. Um, and that's fine because my girls are just the best in the universe and like the really cool thing was like my opening weekend I was obviously like staying past my class and I noticed all of them getting in a car and going to brunch and I was like oh and then you were like take me to brunch yeah, <laughs> I'm starving honestly Julie it made me so happy because like I am the reason that they became or in my room I'm not the reason that they became friends they became friends because they like connected but it was so powerful to me that like what happened in the room just like transcended that space. And now like, you're going to go out and like be together. Like that to me is everything. That's a full circle moment for sure. Because it was like, they met there, loved it so much, came coming back, right? Established the relationship. And then they based their weekend around you, around where it started. So it's like, mm -hmm. oh, we're going to go back to class and then we're going to get boozy brunch and do whatever. And that's amazing. Do you think Chantel looks at us like that or no? She doesn't, she doesn't like, 
even think about it. No, she doesn't. Lisa and I met at the gym too. Um, all right. So are you familiar with Vogue 73 questions? Yes. Okay. So we end each episode with five questions. Love it. Um, and they're just going to be rapid fire and you just have to answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Isa, you want to start or you want me to start? You start. Have you ever Googled yourself? Yes. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? Something with dogs. <gasps> what kind of dog do you have, by the way? I have a Maltese poodle mix. His name is Carter and he has four teeth. <laughs> just a babe. Just a toothless babe. <laughs> How old is Carter? He's which, oh my gosh. Oh. And he's on Prozac. He's a mess. Oh my God. My dog is on Prozac too. Oh, it's so funny because I was, now we're going off the topic, but like <laughs> I was in, I have, I do business by coastal, right? So I'm actually like, I told you I'm moving to San Diego next week, but I do a lot of business in LA and like, it's the LA thing to send your dog that has like mental issues to behavioral therapy, but it's like a very East coast thing to just like put them on drugs. And like, my dog has been on Prozac forever and it doesn't, it doesn't fucking help. He's still a nutball. Oh yeah. Carter's the same way. Um, where is Dexter anyway? Yeah. Um, He's only talking about because I was like going to hang out with a friend yesterday and he blew up on my bed. Oh my God. Uh-huh. We've had, so the dogs know, like, you know how like they know. And so they know we're moving. They know things aren't right. And so there's been so much dog throw up in my house the past week. It's like out of control. Like I needed to stop. We just had our carpets clean today. Like no more puking. It can't happen anymore. I feel that in my soul. Uh, sweet or savory? What? Sweet? Sweet. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. Duh. Cookie dough. Cookie dough. Yeah. I don't know. I know you love chicken like a weirdo, so I just, I wasn't sure with that one. What does that mean, chicken like a weirdo? She just, like, is obsessed with chicken. Yeah, I eat chicken for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and have for, like, years. It's my favorite food. I'm hungry now. I respect it. <laughs> um, and what, hold on, hold on, hold on. Beach or city? Beach. And our favorite question, last but not least, what's your vibe? Um, open, welcoming. And zesty. Ooh, zesty. Yes. A little twist. I know. I wasn't expecting it, but I like okay. it. First of all, thank you so much for joining us today. Second of all, follow-up homework is to talk to mom and dad Dudley. And I mean, also, I had another one, but I forget what it was. <laughs> Send pictures <laughs> of Carter. <laughs> um, we had so much fun. I'm so we really glad. We did that you were able to make it. And I know it was short notice, but literally this was awesome. So tell everyone where they can find you. So my main um, form of communication with everyone is the Pilates Blonde on Instagram. I love, love, love like texting with people in my DMs. I feel like it's me chatting with a best friend. So don't be afraid to slide in the DMs. Um, The Pilates Blonde dot com is another fun place to get a whole bunch of information um sweat thrive glow podcast on itunes and spotify downloading that right now the main like situation amazing thank you so so much again we love you you guys are the best this is so fun (laughs) 